InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know. Here's your host, Chris Whitting. With the swearing-in of a new Supreme Court justice this summer, how much influence do you think our nation's highest court has on your everyday life? The truth is, quite a bit. For example, can the government seize your house to build a shopping mall? How about what you're allowed to do in the privacy of your own home? Here to talk about Supreme Court cases that can directly impact you is Michael Trackman. Michael, you're the founding partner of a major law firm, and you've written a book called The Supreme's Greatest Hits, the 34 Supreme Court cases that most directly affect your life. Michael, most Americans know a little about the Supreme Court, and they understand it has the final say on legal disputes, but just a little background here as we start out. Why do we have a Supreme Court in the first place, and how important is it to have one? Well, we have a Supreme Court because we have a Constitution. And a constitution is, in our system, the supreme law of the land, and somebody has to have the last word on what it says and what the other laws in our country says. That's where the Supreme Court comes in. The Supreme Court in the United States serves a particularly unique role in that we're a country that so much stresses the rights of the individual, as well as our constitution stresses the rights of the individual, and the Supreme Court therefore stands as the protector of individual rights in our country. The Supreme Court, on behalf of an individual, can just say no to the President of the United States, to the Congress, right down to any local zoning official. That's unique, it's remarkable, and it's what defines our American way of life. Well, let's get into some of these decisions that directly affect our lives. And you talk about 34 of them in here. Let me say, as we begin, we're not taking any political point of view here. We're just talking about these cases because they can affect us, you know, no matter what our stripe, persuasion, or whatever. So what would be some of the top ones you might pick out of your book? And it's fascinating, all these cases you talk about. I think you have to begin at the beginning, and that's the case that made the Supreme Court supreme, which is Marbury versus Madison. That's a case that a lot of high school textbooks and college textbooks talk about, although they generally don't give it the drama and the interest that it deserves. But the long and the short of it is that Marbury versus Madison in the very early 1800s, right after the Constitution was ratified, was the case that allowed the Chief Justice of the United States, John Marshall, to face off against Thomas Jefferson, really was an incredibly dramatic, worthy of a movie moment. The upshot of it, however, was that we established a precedent where the Supreme Court could nullify and negate the actions of the other branches of government and have the final say on what is and is not constitutional. And that began with Marbury versus Madison. We're talking on InfoTrack with Michael Trackman, who's author of The Supreme's Greatest Hits, the 34 Supreme Court cases that most directly affect your life. So that was the number one that kind of put them on the map as the Supreme Court. What would be some other ones throughout history? Of course, we've heard about the monkey trial revisited, some of these other ones, school prayer. There's so many. Oh, there is. I think you'd have to go next to Brown versus Board of Education if you wanted to talk about one of the cases that truly redefined and affected the fabric of American life. Brown versus Board of Education was decided in 1954. It's the case that reversed about 50 years of prior precedent whereby the Supreme Court as well as the other branches of government had institutionalized segregation in our society. And in Brown versus Board of Education, the Supreme Court decided that the old law, separate but equal, in other words, 
segregation was not good enough in America, that the schools had to be desegregated, and as a matter of precedent and building on that decision, so did the rest of society. And Brown versus Board of Education is the case that really jump-started the whole notion of institutionalizing real equality within the laws of the United States. Obviously, there's a long way to go in terms of turning law into reality, but Brown gets credited justly so with the notion of really starting the aggressively legal move to desegregate our society and stress on all forms of equality among different kinds of people in our society. So that had a huge impact on society and how people live their lives, and that was just one case. Oh, and there are so many others. Another case which is worth mentioning, particularly among current events, is a case called Youngstown Cheat Tube. This is the case that defined what the powers of the President of the United States may be in a national security crisis. How far can the President go in subjugating some civil liberties in the hope of promoting national security? And that's obviously something that's pertinent to today. It's a case that arose from President Truman in the Korean War, preventing the steel industry from going on strike because President Truman felt that that might compromise the war effort. And the Supreme Court at that time wrote a decision which is talked about today all the time in Senate hearings when we talk about what the president can and can't do within the confines of the Patriot Act, within the confines of wiretapping individuals, domestic surveillance, all that sort of thing. It's the Supreme Court that decides that and will continue to decide the balance between national security and civil liberties. Very, very difficult area, but that's one of the things that the Supreme Court does. Some might say that the Supreme Court is unaccountable for some of its decisions because these are not elected officials. So, in effect, there's no check or balance. If people find their decisions unpopular, there's not much that people can do about it. That's right, and that's purposefully so. Our country was established in a context whereby the framers wanted to protect minority rights, among many other things. But the framers wanted to make sure that minorities, and I don't mean necessarily racial or ethnic or religious minorities, I mean all minorities, that everything wasn't necessarily done by the will of the majority, because the majority can be pretty tyrannical. So the framers designed a Supreme Court which would not have to respond to the will of the majority if, in fact, the Supreme Court determined that the majority was wrong in terms of violating the rights and the liberties of an unpopular minority. And the only way that you can do that is to insulate the Supreme Court from public opinion, from the ability to be tossed out periodically like elected officials may be. There are sometimes prices that get paid for that. Sometimes the system creates results that are unpopular and, in fact, turn out to be unwise. But I think it was Churchill who said that democracy is the worst form of government except for every other form of government that's ever been tried. <laughs> Same kind of thing holds true here. You're saying over time and over history, more often than not, they're making the right choices. Yes, but I don't want to minimize the fact that people have very good reasons to disagree with Supreme Court decisions. But the fact remains that the nature of the issues that the Supreme Court is called upon to decide will almost always disappoint a very large segment of society. Because if there were agreement in regards to how a particular issue should be handled, it wouldn't end up in the Supreme Court. Somebody somewhere has to make the final decision. So the question becomes, do you want to make that final decision among a group, for example, of elected officials who have to answer to the will of the majority and have to worry about popularity, or do you want that decision to be in the hands of a body that 
is secure from those kinds of influences can focus on doing what's right instead of doing what's popular, recognizing that no matter which way the decision goes and no matter who makes it, somebody's going to be very disappointed. So along those lines, that would be the reason that Supreme Court cases are not televised or able to be seen live. They're not really catering to the public. This is really more of a pure legal decision-making process. It is, although there's no question but that many Supreme Court justices will try to keep their fingers on the pulse of American society and culture to make sure that they're in league with where things stand in the world right now. That's why, for example, separate but equal was overturned in favor of equal rights ingrained in the law. But some Supreme Court justices, by the same token, feel that they have to stay totally isolated, focus strictly on the legal questions and the facts that are before them, and keep apart from outside influence. How did the Supreme Court decide which cases to consider? Because it seems they reject some very big ones and they accept some really big ones. It seems sort of arbitrary, though. The Supreme Court convenes on a weekly basis in very secret session to consider the literally thousands of requests that they receive to hear appeals. And they take it very seriously. They have a brilliant staff of young lawyers that help them through this. And they hear and they debate thousands of requests. It takes a vote of four justices in these meetings to have the Supreme Court hear the appeal. Among the thousands upon thousands of requests that they get each year, the Supreme Court may accept 100, 150, something like that. So it's a very selective process. There are only so many hours of the day and there's only nine of them. They do this on the basis of lots of different rationales, most notably what they think will be most significant at the time. There are a lot of issues that have already been decided and they're not prepared to reconsider because they would raise the same issue that's already been ruled upon. And they each have their own predilections and favorite issues and things that they think ought to be determined. And those individual differences will factor in as well. It's basically literally a judgment call. Michael G. Trackman, author of The Supreme's Greatest Hits, the 34 Supreme Court cases that most directly affect your life. Michael, thanks so much for joining us on InfoTrack. Thank you. I really enjoyed it. Next, can a little bit of class and culture cure a community's troubles? The answer may surprise you. That's coming right up. Don't go away. InfoTrack will be back right after this.